sometimes, how many of y'all know that we need a, a sobriety test? How many of y'all know sometimes you need to get pulled over and you need, you need to see if you're sober because the Bible says that we should be walking soberly. He, sa- he actually says, he says, walk sober. He says, walk circumspectly before the Lord. Walk circumspectly just means to inspect in a circle. Or that means as you're walking, as you're going through your life, you're not just looking down. But Jesus, over and over, he said, look up, lift up your eyes. And, uh, and, and to be inspecting, watching what's happening around you and uh, checking out your own heart, checking out your own, your own family, your own life, your own kids. So I, I want to talk about, we're going to look at several things. And I'll just tell you, this is a, it's an exhaustive subject. It's a subject that people have given their lives to. Literally, they've given their lives to this subject. People with their PhDs and their doctorates. And man, they, they've studied this over and over and over again. Backwards and front, front, frontwards. I'm not that person. I've, I've Really, honestly, I don't know that I've ever studied this much on the subject of hell. The main reason is because is I don't plan on going. And you think, well, but, but the, the problem is, is that's a pretty selfish way to think. Because whenever you get texts about people that you don't know if they're going, then, then things get real. Because hell is long. It really is. Eternity is long. And we're taught in Scripture over and over and over again that life is but a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. That it's like a grass. It's like a flower. That, that, and, and you know this. And the older you get, the faster time goes. The, the flower, it blooms. It comes up. It opens. And then that season ends. And, and it's gone. And uh, so, so life, is, no matter how long you live in comparison to eternity, life, life is really short and eternity is long. So there's certain things, you know, and I just had to ask the Lord because I've been uh, pastoring the church now for five years and that's a couple hundred Sundays. And I've never taught on hell in 200 Sundays. And yet Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. It was one of his biggest subjects one of, one of his biggest subjects, the Apostle Paul, uh, he actually wrote more about hell even than Jesus did. So you have the most prolific writers in the New Testament that are writing about it over and over and over again. Jude and Peter. And, I mean, you go down through, through the books. You just look in the New Testament and there Jesus is devoting a third of his sermons to this topic. And yet me as a pastor, I haven't even devoted a tenth to this topic. So as I'm going through the, the scriptures, I'll just tell you, for me, it was like, well, uh, it's, it's not a fun subject. It's not a happy topic. But if, but if we want to, if, if, if you were following Jesus way back then, if you were following his ministry for three and a half years, you could say one year of his ministry was dedicated to the afterlife and specifically to hell. And uh, so, so our job as Christians, whenever he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the gospel is good news, but it's not just that Jesus will help your family and that Jesus will give you peace and that Jesus will... Well, we like that side of Jesus. How many of y'all like those messages? Teach me about... Everybody's like, yes, have mercy. Everybody likes to hear messages on love and joy, peace, patience. Those words just feel good, don't they? Hail! That one doesn't feel good. Nobody likes that one, right? We like the love and the joy and the peace, patience, long-suffering. Isn't that our favorite, one of our favorite Jesus words right there? Jesus suffers long. Yes, he does. And he's gentle. Isn't that a good one? Aren't y'all glad we serve a gentle God? How about kindness? How many, don't y'all like kindness? And we like to hear all the stories, right, in the Old Testament to tell me about how God laid, led Abraham 
And tell, tell me how God delivered Moses' enemies, right? If you're single, tell me about how, how Ruth got that hot, single, rich man. Tell me how she snagged Boaz. Give me that one, preacher. I need a Sunday morning romance. That's what I need, right? We come to church and, and, we, and we want all of all that the Bible offers. And we want all that God offers. But, but so I asked the Lord, I said, uh, uh, what, what do you, why do you want me to teach on this? Because he told me back in February, he said, I want you to teach on hell. And uh, I said, why do you want me to teach on hell? He says, because <laughs> nobody else is. There's just not a lot of other people. And, and you haven't before. And it's, 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 it's more important. The, what happens after we die is more important than, than happens uh, on this earth. Everything that we do is a, is a stage for, for what happens on the other side. I gave you a couple of quotes in, in your Bible. But one of the pictures that the Lord showed me as to why to teach on this was, uh, was a pendulum. How many of y'all know what a pendulum is? I'm about to show you if you don't know what a pendulum is. A pendulum, you may have had a grandfather clock. How many of y'all had a grandpa with a grandfather clock? I had one. You had one penny. Some of y'all had grandfather clocks. And that clock, with the way that that clock worked, Galileo, I think is the guy that invented it, each time it would go over, that was one second. So it was tick-tock, right? And it was two seconds. And, and the pendulum, it goes back and forth. Now, if you're in construction like Brent or some of the other guys, you use these, you may call them a plumb bob, and, and you tie this at the center of the rafter or whatever, and it hangs straight down, and it shows you perfectly level. There's a perfect line, a level line. Gravity makes it hang true. And, but whenever you swing a pendulum, right, it goes the, as long as there's no friction on the pivot, it goes the same amount on both sides until it comes to an end. And in a lot of ways, the way the Lord was just showing it to me is the pendulum has kind of gotten stuck on one side within the church. Or in other words, within the church, we teach a lot on His love, grace, mercy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, all of those things. We teach about Him, him giving us purpose. Number one bestseller of all time outside of the Bible is the purpose-driven life. How many of you remember that, that book? Everybody wants to know about the purpose of God. Everybody wants to experience the peace of God. Everybody wants uh, all of these things. And that's where the majority of our teaching lies. If, if, I mean, think about it. If you, if you go to church for a year, there, there's very little that's said. We teach about heaven. How many of you like heaven? Glory to God, let's teach right now. Well, we have a party in here when it comes to heaven. But if there is a heaven, there is a hell. If there is a God, if you're going to believe the scripture, you have to believe the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the Because if you don't, if you deal in half-truths, then people get judged wrongly. And then and the consequences are great. Our, our justice system understands this. That if you give people half-truths or if you tell partial truths, then lives are at stake. In Arkansas, they just uh, did, I think, their eighth lethal injection in two weeks. They went a decade without doing one. They've done eight. I don't know what they, why they felt to pick up the pace. But uh, all of a sudden, Arkansas, man, eight of them, I think, in the past two weeks. Our, our justice system understands the truth. What kind of truth? The whole truth. Not half-truths. So for me, or for us, or for the church, just to give you half-truths, but, but we're not talking about a temporary judge. We're really talking about an eternal judge. And as much as He is love, 
God is love, and His mercies are new every morning. And great is Thy faithfulness. I mean, I like that song. Amazing grace. I mean, I like that one. Those are all songs that we love. But, but there, is, there is another part of, of God. And uh, God's gone to great lengths so that we don't have to experience hell. He, he really has. He, he's done a lot so that we don't have to experience. He did so much that He went for us. I mean, I think that's doing a lot. He went, he's gone to great lengths. The reality is, is God doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves. And God's gone to great lengths for us not to go to hell. He says over and over again, He says, I came to seek and save the lost. I wish that none perish. I'll leave the 99 to go find the one. And, and whenever I find him, and I'll wait for the prodigal to come home. I'll take a robe off. I'll put a ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. Have a party. Celebrate. Whenever, whenever one person gets saved, all of, angel, all of heaven rejoices. I mean, I know there's a lot of scriptures that validate the goodness of God. They validate it. And you can never doubt the goodness of God. But, but there is a side of God that if, 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 we don't, if, if we don't live in obedience to Him, He said many. Everybody say many. many. To me, that's the worst word in that whole passage of Scripture. And I don't know if we'll get to it this morning. But He said many, many will not make heaven. Not because He hasn't gone to great lengths to secure us a place there. And yet Jesus, red letter, red letter in your Bible, the hot sauce, that's what you call the hot sauce in Louisiana, is the, the red letter part of your Bible, the hot sauce, Jesus, out of his own mouth, he said, many, many will not make heaven. And we'll look at some of these more difficult passages, even the ones where, you know, where he says that there'll be people that say, Lord, Lord. And he said, I never knew you. There will be people that sit in churches that think that they have eternal security. And Jesus said they just don't. They do not. So I want to look at different passages and we'll go through some of this. And honestly, I don't know how many weeks the Lord will have me uh, to teach on this. But this is where we're at. And uh, God, God brings us to places not because he's, he's trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us. And because, again, I think there's always a call going out. There's always a, a, a beckoning. There's always a lighthouse. There's always a voice crying in the wilderness. Right? And it may, may look funny. You know, John the Baptist looked funny. He wore camel hair and he ate, he ate locusts and wild honey. Funny looking guy, right? Maybe you think I'm a funny looking guy. That's great. But he had a purpose, and his purpose was, he, he hollered out. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. Why? Because God doesn't want people to perish. So uh, there's thousands of things. I mean, we could teach on this forever, and man, we could get into all kind of stuff. But I just chose to do it God's way. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why do you want me to teach on this? He said, well, the pendulum is stuck, and you really need the other sides of me. So I said, all right, Lord, well, let's, let's do the other side. What's the scriptures? So as we were up here praying... Uh, you know, as we do, uh, I knelt behind the drums and prayed and the Lord just gave me four uh, phrases really quick. And I, I knew immediately that they were scriptures. I wasn't familiar with the address, but I knew them quite well. So in your worship, God, I gave you four blanks and I'm going to have you write the four phrases that he gave me because of the hundreds of scriptures that I could give you on hell. These are the ones that I felt like the Lord wanted me to give you. And yet none of them really deal directly with hell. They all deal with the other side of the pendulum. 
which is the other side of God. So we always get this side of the pendulum and we try to stop it right here. But there is another side. So I want to give you these four phrases that the Lord gave me and then we'll look at the scriptures that go with them. I'm going to give them to you in a couple translations and then I'll let you go. Before I do that, those, the, two, the two quotes that I gave you in, uh, in your worship guide, uh, the first one's from C.S. Lewis. It says, the Christian who did the most for the present world is precisely the one who thought the most of the next world. Really good. So this morning is going to revolve not, not the logistics of hell, not where is hell, you know. Who, who, you know, it's, it's not going to be a lot of that. It's not going to be hellfire and brimstone. It's not going to be demons and burning flesh and all, these cra all this type of stuff. It's really not going to have anything to do with that. This morning is just about eternal life. It's about eternity. It's about the, other, the, other, the way that we need to look at God beyond Him as just a loving God. Grace is really popular these days. Everybody's teaching grace, right? Grace, 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 grace. And you can live and act however you want. But, there, but we're going to look at some other stuff that God expects us to walk and act and live a certain way. The other verse that I gave you is in uh, John Brevere. He says, the way we look at the cross determines uh, where we spend eternity. But the way we live as believers determines how we spend eternity. Really good. And we may get into more of that next week. Uh, but the, the, the verses that I want to give you, the first one you have it there in your worship guide, but I'm going to give it to you in a, a, a a couple of translations, but what I want you to write there is just, just write the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Many times we're taught not to fear the Lord because 365 times the Lord says fear what? Fear not, right? He tells us 365 times fear not. And yet here he gives us emphatic instructions that we are to fear something. But what we are to fear is, is what? Yeah. Is Him. That we should have a reverence for Him. That we should have a, an attitude toward Him. That even though He is he's gracious and wonderful and true, it says here, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge, understanding. All of that starts at this point. In other words, if you don't have an honor or respect or reverence for God, no other wisdom matters. No other knowledge matters. No other understanding matters. Everything starts here. Your Bible really starts here. We think the Bible starts in John 3.16. It really doesn't. The, 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 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where knowledge starts. That's where understanding starts. I want to read it to you in the Amplified and uh, that's the version that I gave you in your worship guide. It says, The reverent fear of the Lord, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome. Everybody say awesome. Truly awesome. Just means that, that you regard Him as He is the ultimate, right? He is awesome. He's omniscient, omnipresent. We could go on and on about the attributes of God. But the first thing is, is that, that we need to fear Him, honor Him, respect Him. Get your hands out your pockets. How many of y'all remember there was, a, there was the, the girl that stood in front of the judge? Maybe this was last year. And the judge really threw the book at her because she was just being slothful in front of the judge. How about that? Uh, kind of like that. How many of remember? How about that girl? How about that? It was, uh, she, was, she was like that, and she was before this judge. And the judge set her in her place really quick and said, You get your hands out of your pocket. Stand up. You're going to address me as your what? 
as your honor. Your honor. I'm not your friend right now. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, your, I'm not your buddy right now. You are going to address me a certain way. You're going to stand a certain way. You're going to look a certain way. You're going to act a certain way. And, and you call me your honor. And God is a father to the fatherless. And he is merciful. And they're new every morning. But if you can't address him as your honor, then there is no wisdom. There is no understanding. And there's no knowledge for you. We have to first address him as your honor. God, I stand before you. You're the righteous judge of everything. And God, I give you preeminence in my life. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. So I'm gonna re- I'll finish reading this and then we'll go to the next one. It says, The fear of the Lord is the worship of regarding Him is truly awesome. Is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. It's the starting point and its essence. The next one is, is I want you to write fear and trembling. That's the next one that the Lord gave me was fear and trembling. And that verse comes from Proverbs chapter 9. I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse number 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's a verse that I'm very familiar with, but I'm always quoting the end part. God, it's you that's working in me both the will and to do of your good pleasure. Thank you, God, you're working in me today. You're working in my family. You're working in my kids. You're working in my business. You're working, you're working in me today. It's, 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 it's you that's working in me both to will and to do of, of His good pleasure. But that's not all the verse, is it? He says, he says you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What's it mean, work out your salvation? Now, if I were to ask you if you're saved, most of us in here, you would say, I'm a saved. I, I have salvation in me. But how many of y'all know he says here that there's work yet to be done? How many of y'all know that you have work left to do? How many of y'all know you're still under construction? And here, he says, you better take this job seriously. In other words, your walk with God needs to be a serious walk. It can't be something that's lackadaisical or something that's hit or miss. He says, there needs to be a fear. There needs to be a trembling within you that, 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 that makes you take your job or your role, that you're walking this out not just so you can go to heaven. You're walking this thing out with fear and trembling. God is a gorilla. God, how many of y'all seen the, the, the people that, that go to a zoo and they throw stuff at the gorilla? Or they'll climb in the cage with the gorilla. They, they poke the gorilla, right? They, they, they poke the bear. They, they, they poke the bear. And, and they, they antagonize that. And, and, and for us, God, God he is, He's loving and He's gentle and He's all those things. And yet there is a part of Him that you need to have some reverence, reverential fear. And you need to have some fear and some trembling about you. In other words, uh, as, 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 we're going, as I'm going through my day, many times I don't, I don't think fear and trembling. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But you probably don't either. 
And, and this is why the Lord, I think, is having us talk about these things is, is because the, the pendulum gets stuck over here. And yet we don't we don't many times we don't take our walk as serious as we should as we as we should take it, because to him, he says, it is serious business to me. That, that, that our salvation, you working out your salvation, you walking out your salvation, it needs to be done with fear and trembling. I'm going to give you, I'll give it to you in, in uh, another translation. Or let's, let's just go to the next one because this one will tie into that one. The next thing he, had me, he gave me was walk softly or walk humbly. And the verse I gave you on this one is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Walk softly before the Lord. Walk humbly before the Lord. Whenever you get around a lion or you get around a bear or you get around a, a, a gorilla, you get around a caged animal, right? I mean, your demeanor should change and you think, well... And sometimes we act all high, uh, we, we act pretty confident. How many of y'all know if I threw your butt in that cage? Right? Everything just got real. Right? Everything got real. Everything, every, whenever, whenever he's there and we're here and there's, there's these bars, there's this wall that's, that's, that, that's protecting us. But whenever you get inside that, that world with him, and there's going to come a day. How many of y'all know that we're going to see the Lord high and lifted up? Isaiah said, he said, whenever he saw the Lord, he, he thought he was going to die. He says, oh, no, I've seen God. I'm going to die. God, Moses, he asked God, he said, Moses, can I see you? Uh, I'm sorry. He said, God, can I see you? Moses asked God, he said, God, can I see you? He says, no man looks at me and lives. So he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a cleft in the rock. I'm going to carve a place out in a rock and I'm going to put you in that rock and I'm just going to let my, my glory pass by you and I'll let you see the back of me. So that's the only, the only way that we could do it. And we know in the New Testament that Jesus is the rock. He is the rock and God carved a hole out of Jesus and put us in the rock so that we can see God's glory. It's the only way that we can see God's glory. The only way that we can be in God's presence. The only way that, 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 we, that we can come into the Holy of Holies is because of Jesus. He is our cleft in the rock. He, he is that rock, right? Moses, Moses is Jesus in, in, in the New Testament. So, so God, He did that for us. He's, he's given us, but it's only through through Jesus. So we got to walk softly. In the verse it says, He's shown me, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. God shows you what's good. Many people say, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. But here He says, you know. You know what to do. You know what's good. And He says, you know what the Lord requires of you. How many of y'all know we act dumb sometimes? How many of y'all got kids? How many of your kids ever act dumb? My kids act dumb on a weekly basis. Right? I ask them to do something, they don't do it, and they say, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't hear you. And you, and you know what? You're full of baloney. You know you heard me. We're sitting, sitting right there beside you. But I didn't understand. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You totally got it. Don't act like you didn't get it. And here he says, you know what good is. You know what God requires of you. And now watch this, the next part. He says, 
He says He requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, walk softly, walk humbly with your God. Uh, I want to give it to you in Micah, and this one's kind of strong here. How many of y'all ready to run around the church and celebrate? I know, I know, I know whenever we teach on hell, ain't nobody, there won't be no tambourines. There won't be no, no, no waving banners. That's all right. That's all right. Our, our, my, my goal is just for you to think eternally and to see God on both sides, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. I believe He's helping me to do it. Micah chapter 6 verse 8, I'm going to read it in the message. It says, He has already made it plain how to live. Micah 6, 8 through 16 in the message. I want them to see it. In Jesus' name. All right, I'll just read it. He has already made it plain how to live and what to do and what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Attention. God calls out to the city. If you know what's good for you, you'll listen. So listen, all of you. This is serious business. He says it again. He says, Do you expect me to overlook your obscene wealth that you've piled up by cheating and fraud? Do you think I'll tolerate shady deals and shifty scheming? I'm tired of the violent rich bullying their way with bluffs and lies. I'm fed up. Beginning now, you're finished. You'll pay for your sins down to your last cent. And no matter how much you get... It will never be enough. Hollow stomachs, empty hearts. No matter how hard you work, you'll have nothing to show for it. Bankrupt lives, wasted souls. You'll plant grass, but never get a lawn. You'll make jelly, but never spread it on your bread. You'll press apples, but never drink the cider. You've lived by the standards of your king, the definite dec decadent lifestyles of your family. And because you've, slavishly, because you've lavishly followed their fashions, I'm forcing you into bankruptcy. How many of this is your new favorite passage in the Bible? How many of want to get this one on your t-shirt? Right, nobody wants this on the back of their t-shirt, right? I'm forcing you into bankruptcy. Your way of life will be laughed at, a tasteless jokes, and your lives will be futile and fake. Everybody say, walk softly. There's your fear and trembling right there. Walk humbly. Serious business. The other part of the pendulum. Right? Nobody wants to come to church and hear that. No, no, that's why YouTube it. You won't find it. Right? Nobody wants that side of the pendulum. Everybody wants... How many of you ever been to New Orleans and seen the people standing on the, on the street preaching? How many of you have been to a big city and you've seen people standing out there preaching and hollering and you think what are they doing what are that that's not God they need to hear about grace and they need to hear about mercy and they need to hear about and man I'm with you I think that they do need to hear all of all of that but how many y'all know I think we need both sides of the coin sometimes we really need to hear that this is serious business that this is that God God looks at our lives and he wants us to walk out our salvation not with anything less than fear and trembling he wants us to address him as your honor. You are my honor. You are my commanding officer. 
I'm coming before you ready to get my orders. Right? And I'm not overriding no authority. I'm not going AWOL. You are my commanding officer. we got to walk softly. Walk humbly before the Lord. Last one I'm going to give you. Is the last, last one that He gave me is, is space to repent. God gives us space to repent. But I'm going to give it to you in a couple of different translations so that you kind of know what that means. Space to repent comes from a scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 21. This is God speaking in the book of Revelation. Some of y'all know Revelation is the last book. And he's talking to them about the end times and about judgment and about uh, the decisions that we make. And this is God's perspective. Because many people say, well, why would, why would a good God create such a bad place? Or why would God send people to hell? Or why would God do this? Or why would, why would God do that? But this is, God's, this is one of God's replies. And it's Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. It says, I gave her time to repent. God says, I gave her time to change her inner self, to change her sinful way of thinking. But she has no desire to repent of her immorality and refuses to do so. So God's perspective is, we're always like, why God, why? But His things is, listen, God gives us space to repent. And I, I can't speak for you, but I can tell you, He gave me decades to get right. He gave me a long time to get right. And it really wasn't until I was in my 20s that I, that, that I, I, came, I came to. Right? It, it, it took a while for me. And God's gracious. The, the, the only reason Jesus is not back on this planet right now is because the Bible says God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. So everybody's wanting to know when's Jesus coming back and all that type of stuff. I can tell you when he's coming back. He tells you. He says God is, it says that his, he, he's long, he, he, he has mercy that endures forever. He's long in mercy and he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Well, what is the precious fruit of the earth? It ain't apples, right? It ain't oranges. You're the fruit, right? We're the fruit. Jesus was planted in the heart of the earth. He became the tree of life and we are the fruit that hang off of his branches. So he's waiting for us. He's waiting for your loved ones. He's waiting for your friends. He's waiting. He's waiting for your people. That's what he's waiting for. And then the Bible says the end will come. But not until people have given space to repent. I want to read it. One last one I want to read it in Revelations. I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. It says, Why did you let Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, Really interesting. Can you put that one up there? Revelations 2.20 in the message. And it could be any name. You could just say, why, why did you let that person who calls himself a preacher, why did you let that apostle, that prophet, that evangelist, that teacher, why did you let that person mislead my dear servants into cross-denying, self-indulging religion? I gave her a chance to change her ways, but she has no intention of giving up a career in the God business. And I'm about to lay her low along with her partners as they play their sex and religion games. 
every church will know that appearances don't impress me. I'm going to read that one more, that part one more time. It says, then every church will know that appearances don't impress me. I have x-rayed every motive and I will make sure you get what's coming to you. Pretty strong. I actually left out a sentence. <laughs> but it's up there now, so let's read it. The bastard offspring of their idol whoring, I'll kill. Thank you, Jesus, for those words of encouragement that we received here two weeks after Easter. This is him. And what, what I want you to know is he's talking to Christians. This is written to a church. There's seven churches in the book of Revelations that Jesus writes to because he's the head of the church. And this is one of the churches that he's writing to. And he says, he says you've let people come in and what they're teaching is they're, they're teaching cross-denying. They're teaching self-indulging religion. You can just, you can self-indulge. You can live however you want to live and still be a Christian. You can say and go whatever you, you can do whatever you want and you still get to go to heaven. And he's getting on to these churches and he says, you've allowed these people to come in and teach cross-denying, self-indulging religion. I've given them a chance to repent, to change her ways, but she's no intention of giving up her career in the God business. I'm going to lay her low along with her partners. And then skip down, he says, and then every church will know appearances, they don't impress me. God's not impressed by our appearances. He says he x-rays every motive and makes sure that we get... Woo-wee! Everybody say amen. amen. Woo, man, it's getting quiet up in this Presbyterian church. So quiet in here. Man, got to shake it off. Shake, shake, shake it off. But we may not need to shake, shake, shake it off. We may not need to. Maybe we need to leave with a little fear and trembling, a little walk softly. They need to leave with a little walk softly today. They need to leave... Uh, with, with this awareness that he is our honor, right? And he's not impressed by our appearances. He's not impressed by our cute little church. Not impressed by our cute little wristbands. Aren't they cute? Our, our cool little t-shirts. He is not impressed. He's impressed when we, we lift up Jesus. We keep the cross out front, right? And we teach people, right? Man, this side of the pendulum, God is so gracious. But this is not a self-indulging religion. It's just not. We have to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because this is serious business. Serious business. Lives are at stake. And it really, I'll tell you, it just really got me this morning getting that text. It really hit home with me because here is somebody that, that I really am fond of. And yet I'm, I, think he, I think he's going to make heaven. But I really, I really don't know. But man, I've really got to find out because this is, it's serious business.